Amen, amen. Well, good morning, Shiloh. And good morning, everybody across the world. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, we invite you this morning to sing along with us at home. Oh, because the Lord is big, the Lord is strong, the Lord is mighty, and his plan for all of us is victory. Hey. Goes like this, says my God.
tell somebody. I thank God I've got it. Oh, I've got it. I oh, we're going to declare joy, joy. See, joy is mine. Joy. You're my best friend, 
I know indeed I stretch my hands to thee. worship, we want to lift up a Jesus joy, a Jesus joy. What a wonderful promise it is that Jesus offers, joy, soon coming joy. I'm going away, but in a few days, when I see you again, it will be a time of joy. A complete joy. You'll be full of joy. There will be no place for any sorrow to remain. You'll be running over with joy. Perpetual joy. It will be a joy that no one can take from you. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a promise that I can build my life on. That's a hope that I can hang on to. It's important that we have a proper understanding of what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about happiness, but he's speaking about joy. Happiness and joy are both about the experience of contentment, but they differ greatly with regard to source. Happiness is achieved through the experience of positive circumstances. 
when the bills are paid and there's still money left in your pocket, you will likely be happy. When your significant other is treating you the way you want, need, and expect to be treated, you will likely be happy. When your health is good and you're having no aches or pains in your body, you will likely be happy. And believe me, being happy is a good thing to be. But I have a warning for you regarding happiness, and it is this. Don't get used to it. It's not going to last very long. The problem with happiness is that when the cozy conditions change, happiness runs away. The hymn writer put it this way. Time is filled with swift transition. Naught on earth unmoved can stand. You have to build your hope on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. And that's where joy comes in. As we said, joy and happiness both have to do with contentment, but joy has a different source. Joy comes from being rooted in Jesus. When we are rooted in Jesus, then regardless of our circumstances, we can still be content. Even when the bills aren't paid and we don't have any prospects for money coming in, if we're anchored in Jesus, we can still have joy. Even when the spouse and the children do all they can to hurt and disappoint us, if we're tied in Jesus, we can still have joy. Even when our bodies are wracked with aches and pains, if we are connected with Jesus, we can still have joy. The psalmist put it this way, weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. Oh, my brothers and sisters, that's why joy is infinitely better than happiness. Anybody who's lived for more than just a minute knows that life is uneven at best. It's a series of ups and downs. And often the downs can seem to be lower than the ups are high. But wherever you are right now, up or down, know that happy or unhappy, the promise of Jesus says that you can still have joy. Today, our nation is in a heightened state of anxiety because of the COVID-19 virus. Over 104,000 cases reported in the United States, over 1,700 deaths. Here in Louisiana, people that we know have been stricken by this illness. State and local officials have issued orders that have radically changed our lives and our lifestyles. Our economies, personal and corporate, have been drastically altered. Frustration is high. 
And there is little reason to believe that relief is yet on the horizon. But under these circumstances, we can still have joy. Truth be told, people were dealing with difficulties before we knew what COVID-19 was. Messed up marriages, toxic relationships, unfulfilled expectations, deteriorating physical health, emotional disturbances, grief over the loss of loved ones, and the list goes on and on. And under these circumstances, it's difficult for us to be happy. But the promise of Jesus is that despite these circumstances, if we keep our hand in his hand, we can still have joy. What Jesus says to his disciples in this text initially left them puzzled and bewildered. In a day or so, you're not going to see me. But then in another day or so, you will see me. Then fix this firmly in your minds. You're going to be in deep mourning while the godless world throws a party. You're going to be sad, but your sadness will develop into gladness. When I see you again, you're going to be full of joy, and it will be a joy that no one can rob from you. Their befuddlement was because they didn't understand the source of the joy that Jesus was promising. And so we invite you today to consider Jesus' words carefully and see how they might help us in these difficult times. First, consider that Jesus tells us that our joy will be preceded by great sorrow. It reminds us that life can change in a moment. One minute everything may appear to be fine and the next it may seem as though our world is coming to an end. And often these changes come with no warning at all. But the promise of joy from Jesus takes our pain and life's unpredictability into account. Jesus says you will be sad for a little while, but if you stay with me, I will turn your sadness into gladness. My brothers and sisters, life can mess us up if you're not anchored in the right foundation. That's what leads a lot of good people into bad situations. But change can't defeat us if we built our lives on Jesus. Jesus said just a few minutes before, I have prepared you for this time so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be complete. When Jesus is the foundation, we can be comforted in the knowledge that he knows our need and he has promised to take care of us. Our joy will be preceded by great sorrow. And then we need to see that our joy is a consequence of his suffering. Please don't miss the point that Jesus makes here. He doesn't just say, after you've had a lot of sorrow, then I'm going to come and give you some joy. That would be a reference to sequence, joy after sorrow. Instead, Jesus refers to consequence. 
Your sorrow will actually be the very thing that causes you joy. Consider the illustration that Jesus uses. A woman in labor knows that the pain is very real. The anguish of birth can be a shattering thing. But when the baby is born, the woman's face is filled with joy, peace, and gladness. This is what Jesus is saying. If we ask what caused the mother's anguish, the answer would be the baby. But if we ask what causes her joy, the answer would be the same, the baby. And so the mother is willing to endure the pain because she knows that the source of the pain will also be the source of joy. Now translate that to Calvary. As painful as Calvary is to witness, it's also a source of our joy. And it's not joy after sorrow, it's our joy through his sorrow. As they put nails in his hands and in his feet, his pain brought us joy. As they pressed a crown of thorns into his brow, his hurt brought us joy. As he hung between two terrorists and they gambled for his robe at his feet. His humiliation brought us joy as one disciple betrayed him and another disciple denied him and the remaining disciples fled from him. His abandonment brought us joy. This is what Isaiah saw so clearly seven centuries before Jesus came into the world when he said he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him, and it's by his stripes that we have been healed. I don't know about you, but it means so much more to me to know that the joy that I have is a consequence of the pain that I am going through. It tells me that there's purpose to my pain. It also tells me that there is promise in my pain. There is reason to shout even in my suffering for I know that from my pain there is also joy that's why the old folk used to say for Christ I'll live and for Christ I'll die they knew that under all conditions Jesus was the source of their supply and that leads me to my final point this morning, Jesus says that our joy will be preceded by great sorrow. Jesus says that our joy is a consequence of his suffering. But finally, he assures us that our joy can't be taken from us. He says, when I see you again, you'll be so full of joy and it will be a joy no one can rob from you. My brothers and sisters, that's good news. When you're going through sorrowful times, tough times will always try to rob us of our joy. When you're going through times of suffering, we're always looking for the joy to arrive. We want to know when the trials are going to be over and when the sun is going to shine again. But an interesting lesson from Hebrew culture is that the morning starts while it's still dark. In Judaism, 
new days begin at sundown. Hear me, as it's getting dark, a new day is beginning. And this teaches us a valuable lesson. You can't always wait for the sunshine to know that joy has come. Joy doesn't always come when things seem bright, but joy can come in the darkest hours of the night. They tell me that it got dark at Calvary. As Jesus hung there, suspended between heaven and earth, it got dark. The sun refused to shine. The moon turned an eerie blood red. The stars refused to twinkle. And in that darkness, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me there there was great sorrow in that moment there was tremendous suffering in that moment but from that moment when all of the sin of humanity was transferred from us to Jesus from that moment when Jesus became the propitiation for our sin joy emerged on the other side he died on Friday but he rose early on a Sunday morning to secure my joy. That's good news for me. It tells me that while it may still be dark in my life, while trouble may still be hanging around my neck like a millstone, I can still have joy because despite the darkness, it's morning time. And since it's morning time and since joy comes in the morning, I've decided I'm not going to wait until troubles are over. I'm not going to wait until COVID-19 is defeated. I'm not going to wait until everything is perfect in my life. I'm going to praise God right now. I'm going to shout to God right now. I'm going to sing to God right now. I'm going to lift up holy hands right now. I'm going to thank God for the victory right now. I have victory in Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm claiming what Jesus says is mine. And he said, victory is mine. He said, joy is mine. He said, happiness is mine. He said, abundance is mine. He said, peace is mine. He said, contentment is mine. He said, power is mine. And so I'm just going to claim what he said is mine. I have joy, unspeakable joy. I have joy that the world can give and the world can take away. I have joy that nobody understands because it doesn't come from any human source. It comes from my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you that even in an hour such as this, we can have joy. Not happiness, but joy. A contentment that is rooted and tethered to you. Thank you for being the source of our supply. Thank you for your word, which tells us that 
we can lift up our eyes above our problems, above our fears, above our anxieties. We can lift up our eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from you. We claim that help. We stand on that help. We rest in that help. We are buttressed by that help. And we know, dear God, that you are not like men. You will not leave us when the going gets tough. Your word tells us that you will neither leave us nor forsake us, but that you are a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Bless this simple word which has gone forth. May it be a help to those who have heard. May it not just have been heard, but may it have penetrated our hearts that it would reap a bountiful harvest in our living. Dear God, as those who are viewing this via live stream across the length and breadth of this community, this state, this nation, perhaps even this world, as they view, as they share in this worship experience, if there is one among them who does not know you in the pardon of their sin, if there's one among them who has not yet surrendered themselves to you, we pray now that something that has been said or done in this worship would inspire them, would spark the flame in their hearts that lets them know that there is a reality in serving a true and a living God. We ask these things humbly in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. Jesus, you're the center of my joy.